You are listening to season three of the Not Neurotypical podcast. I'm your host, Laura Stan, and this season has a very new big plot twist. So hold on tight, strap on your seatbelts, because it's still going to be a bumpy ride. And is that bumpy ride ever going to get smoother? Season three of the Not Neurotypical podcast is proudly sponsored by Timo, the award-winning app designed to support neurodivergent people with routine and scheduling. Head to your app store and type T-I-I-M-O to learn more. Hello, it is Tuesday, September 29th, and as I promised, I am going to be releasing a podcast every Tuesday, if not Tuesday, then Wednesday, but this morning I wanted to start off with a couple announcements. First of all, I want to thank, within the last week, three different people who became supporters on Anchor. Taryn, Jesse, and Carrie, thank you so much. It is so much appreciated. I really, really appreciate that. And then also, another announcement, the Patreon Unlearning Neurotypical is restarting starting October 1st. So that's Thursday, October 1st, 2020, the Unlearning Neurotypical uh, Patreon will be restarting and that means that you can figure out what support level you would like to give. Um, I am restructuring it so that everyone gets the same content. It's just basically what you can afford to get and to give and we kind of start this journey. And I am going to be creating a $1 um, support level because I really just want to make sure that anyone who wants or needs this information has access to it. Um, And you can kind of decide what works for you. But the feedback so far on the unlearning neurotypical content has been really amazing. And it's really inspired by my own journey and realizations. So if you relate to this podcast, I think you are probably going to love the unlearning neurotypical content, which you can only find on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Um, I originally had the lowest one at $3 per month, but there's also other ones. Now there's also unlearning neurotypical family content that will be separate just because If you are on there just for yourself, you don't really need the family content, um, and that will be different tiers. But um, that starts as low as $7 a month, I believe, off the top of my head. But to all my patrons and to the new supporters on Anchor, Carrie, Jesse, and Taryn, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I'm really excited to get started on the unlearning neurotypical content again which starts october 1st now if you go over to the unlearning neurotypical patreon today or tomorrow you totally can if you'd like to um sign up but on october 1st it will charge you again there's no pro rate i just wanted to make that clear i don't want anyone to be frustrated and and not understand that so um 
If you don't want to give for September, wait until October 1st and you can start fresh with everybody. Um, And there's quite a bit of content on there already. So if you are new and you sign up October 1st, um, you will have a wealth of content on there related to unlearning neurotypical and other things that I have written. Also, another announcement, um, I started the Autistically um, publication. And that is on Medium, and I just published within the last couple days a new post by a lovely, lovely Emily, and she wrote about masking and burnout. Um, So go over to medium.com slash autistically, that's A-U-T-I-S-T-I-C-L-Y, and check out that. It's a really great raw and genuine article, which is what I love. And I think you will not be disappointed. So the Patreon is patreon.com slash unlearning neurotypical. And I will see you there. Thank you. I am your host, Laura Stan. Welcome to the podcast today. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is the fact that I deleted all of my social media. I will also be talking about social norms, and that is social norms of neurotypicals and how we miss things, and also a scenario where when we miss something, they see it as rejection. And this post kind of sparked a lot of mixed reactions, so it's very interesting. But first, I currently have five coaching spots available for those of you who are struggling with executive dysfunction or figuring out how to get from A to B or those of you who are just having a little trouble with self-acceptance and figuring this all out or really struggling with your late diagnosis or struggling in the workplace or anything like that, I can help you with. I call it neurodiversity coaching, but more specifically, not neurotypical coaching. And what I mean by that is most coaching is for neurotypicals. It's aimed at that, or even if they don't necessarily mean to, they force some sort of neurotypical standard onto people who may struggle with that. This coaching is so different. It's all about strategies that work for you, figuring out what you need and how to apply that to coping, strategizing, making and keeping goals, And all of that. So it's personalized one on one coaching for you. I do offer a sliding scale for those who worry that they may not be able to afford it but really need it. So head over to www.laurastan.com slash coaching for more information. I hope to work with you soon. As you heard last week or maybe the week before, I never loved social media. I never understand it. I mean, all of the social communication issues I have seems to at times be magnified because in person you can kind of see everyone's cues. And even though I miss some of them, um, it's so much harder 
online. And at some point, you just have to think about the risk and benefits and just kind of weigh them. And the truth is, I haven't been finding many benefits lately. I mean, you can find information that you need online without social media. See, social media has seemed to create this illusion, at least the companies, that all of the information you need is right there. And that's just not true. And it's really a logical fallacy. Um, They've created this world where we feel almost like disconnected if we don't have it. Um, It's just really frustrating. I find myself, even when I'm consciously making an effort to not just mindlessly scroll, I find myself still doing it like a, you know, muscle memory of my hands or something. Um, And I'm really just trying to focus on being present and just getting ready for this cooler weather coming. It just feels like impending doom. And I hate saying that, but it's in the air. I think a lot of people feel it. There is a big election coming. The debate, the first presidential debate is tonight. And in my head, I just think, okay, the circus officially starts tonight. I mean, even though all the ridiculous ads are going from both sides, this is all coming. I live in an urban area and you can almost guarantee if Trump is reelected, we're going to have a repeat of the civil unrest that was going on during COVID after the police brutality that was going on, obviously has been going on for a very long time, but that last one really sparked the civil unrest. And so a lot of people around here are preparing for that because the Democrats literally put forth the just most ridiculous candidate again. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to get too political on here. And, you know, it's just a repeat of 2016. It's very frustrating. And it just feels like this impending doom. And then beyond all of that possible civil unrest that's going to come again, rightfully so, Um, if things go down in that way, um, it's just the cooler weather coming and the idea that COVID has not been fixed here. Um, it's not gone away. If anything, we are going to experience a second wave and then with flu season and everything, it's scary. So impending doom, like literally it feels like I need to prepare myself for a lot of stuff because, it's not just about me and my mental health. I have three children. I have a husband who is an essential worker who still goes to work three days a week, even though most people are working from home who can. Um, and that is probably not going to stop at any time. So if there is this big second wave and all of that, um, you know, it's just a lot to think about. And I want to be as I always say, as mentally prepared as possible, because I 
respond and react to things so much better. And it's not that I'm a really negative person. I like to say that I'm realistic. Um, I'm definitely not an optimist in general, but that's because I don't necessarily know if it's an autistic trait or past trauma or what, but I just have to prepare my, it's probably both as most things. Um, I just have to be prepared. So I think about a lot of the negative things that could happen, which sounds really like Debbie Downer to so many people, but I need that. And let me tell you, social media is not helping any of that. And I hear stories about people in the workplace right now um, through various people that I know, managers at different large organizations. And it's funny, the things that people are saying right now is like regurgitated social media activism stuff. Um, And people are really like burning bridges with that. Um, It's just a really odd time. And I think social media, at least for me, and I can speculate for everybody else, but for me, it's affecting me a lot more negatively than positively. Right now on social media, you really are only exposed to really negative, harsh, extreme climate type discussions. And that affects me a lot. And I'm not saying I don't want to know what's going on and I don't want to deal with the things going on and try to do what I can to make those things better. But the constant barrage of trauma porn where everyone's just watching horrible videos over and over and talking about it and all of that is stuff that I just can't handle and it does nothing and it makes me just want to shelter myself and not do anything at all, which is also not healthy. So I can still get all that information that I need without social media, without feeling connected all the time because that affects me. I get drained easily. I think people who are introverts or have social anxiety and things like that, people forget that we are also drained by social interaction online. Like that's a real thing. Just because it's not in person doesn't mean that it doesn't affect us. And it definitely affects me. So that and so many other reasons is why I have gotten rid of my social media. I didn't delete everything. Like obviously I deleted my old big Instagram account because it had just become just so foolish and ridiculous. Um, But I just deactivated everything for now while I mentally prepare for a lot of things that are going to be coming to a head at the same time. And I'm still going to do the Autistically Squad and all of that. That's off of social media. So there's still a place for those who are looking for that support off of social media, it's members.autistic.ly, members.autistic.ly, and you can check that out. If you'd like to join, there is about 500 members that, uh, it's just a lovely community. You've heard about it on here, I'm sure, but I'll still be there. I mean, that is absolutely not toxic and not negative, and I do not get drained from being there. Um, it's quite amazing. 
but yeah, I just don't know what's going to happen. And I just feel like I have to prepare. And another funny thing happened this past week. (laughs) There was a thing that I saw on social media, of course. Um, I'm going to read it to you. And it's really funny. To my friends on the spectrum, let me explain to you an unspoken social rule that possibly no one has ever explained to you before. If a neurotypical asks you, what game are you playing? They're not asking you to describe the game. They're asking if they can play too. If a neurotypical asks you, what are you watching? They're not asking you to explain the plot of the movie or TV show to them. They're asking if they can watch it with you. When neurotypicals ask you, what are you doing? What you think they're asking might be, please explain to me what you are doing. What they're actually asking is, can I join you? Now, here's the really messed up part. If you start explaining to them what you're doing, they will interpret that as a rejection. What you think you're saying is the answer to their question. And what they may think you're saying is, this is an elite and exclusive activity for a level five friend, and you are a level one acquaintance. You are not qualified to join me because you don't know all of this stuff, so go away. And this is why neurotypicals think you're being cold and antisocial. It's all a horrible miscommunication. So when I first read that, my first thought was, damn, why did no one tell me this before? Um, My second thought was, yeah, like I've been in this situation recently many times with my husband, which is so funny. Like, you would think that this would mostly be like acquaintance, miscommunication, or, you know, some like icebreaker type situation where you kind of know someone and maybe they're trying to get to know you a little better and you kind of miss that cue. Um, But I experienced this type of stuff regularly with my husband. Like recently he asked me something like, um, what do you, it was something like, what are you doing? And like my first reaction is turn turn around, look annoyed and be like, why? Like, isn't it obvious what I'm doing? Um, I don't know. That's, that's where I go to first. And he goes, no, I don't like actually want to know what you're doing. I was just wondering if, you know, I could do it with you. And that's literally his response. Like he has to lay it out for me. But that's the thing is that if someone doesn't have that relationship, with you on a deeper level, they're just going to be like, dang, she's a bitch and like walk away. You know what I mean? Like this is the little stuff. So it was funny because I shared this with two different groups of people and the reactions span quite a bit. A lot of people had my same reaction, like what the heck? Wow. Like that blows my mind, but also like, okay, yeah, this seems real. And I've probably missed this a million times. And then you go to all the past situations where you read something wrong and and then even you like start gaslighting yourself. You're like, does everyone think I'm a bitch? Am I a bitch? <laughs> you know, it's like really messed up like that. Um, and then some people reacted like, this is not true all of the time. And I think that's that like black and white thinking. And this is not saying this is a concrete social rule and you have to abide by it at all times. 
Um, of course, some people are going to ask you, what are you doing? And they genuinely want to know what you're doing. And that's why it's so confusing because sometimes there's unwritten rules and sometimes there are unspoken rules and we just don't catch that. So it's, it's just confusing. It depends on the situation. It depends who you're talking to. It depends what's going on around you. And it's just hard to pick up on all of it. And that's why it's so important that we talk about this stuff. Um, because at the very least, if you understand that there is an unwritten social rule in certain situations, maybe you can take that extra second. Like what, like how I'm applying this is, okay, now I know that this is like a thing that some people will do to get closer to me and I'm missing it. And maybe I want that person to get closer to me. So how you apply it isn't to create this as a script and assume that everyone who asks you a question is thinking those things. No, it's okay. This is a possibility sometimes and to be conscious of that. So maybe if someone's like, oh, what are you watching? Um, You can say what you're watching and then say, would you like to join? Or you could even ask, oh, I'm watching this. Did you want to know more about it or would you like to join or something? Do you know what I mean? You can kind of cater to that and just be aware of it. And speaking of all of this, I did find, (laughs) it's called examples.yourdictionary.com slash social norm examples. And I found this and I wanted to go down the list because I'm like, how many of these things do you and me, all of us, maybe not know? Now, some of these things are things we know and things that we don't like, some of us, depending on the person, because like we always say, we are all different. All of us have different needs, different support needs, different wants. We all have different personalities. We all have different sensory issues. We all have different ways of speaking and communicating and all of that. So I just thought it would be fun to kind of go down the list and kind of see if there's some things that you didn't know was a social norm that may be something you can think about that you could now use to your advantage. This is not meant, I want to just point it out before we do anything, this is not meant to expose all of the things that you don't do and make you feel bad. This is to laugh at and make you aware of and just let's take this with wow neurotypicals are so friggin weird because they are and that makes no sense to me that if you want to hang out with someone that you ask them a question that has nothing to do with wanting to hang out with the person uh so we can kind of like laugh at this stuff and I don't want you to turn any of this into shame because I know with past trauma it's very easy to do that so I wanted to put a disclaimer in there for you. So social norms regarding public behavior. Ooh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Shake hands when you meet someone. But what if you don't like to be touched? Okay. Make direct eye contact with a person you are speaking with. Ooh, that's a big one. A lot of us don't like that. Some of us, it actually hurts us to have to make eye contact. It's something extremely negative. I am someone who can totally 
make eye contact if I need to, and it doesn't harm me. But there are people who in certain situations or some, all situations where they don't want to make eye contact. So let's talk about the different neurotypes. This is a social norm for a neurotypical that making direct eye contact with a person you're speaking with is very important. To us, that's not important. To us, that doesn't mean we're not listening or not paying attention. It doesn't mean that we're not engaged in a conversation. We communicate differently. Here's the next one. Unless the movie theater is crowded, do not sit right next to somebody. Uh, Very valid. I've had people do this to me and literally I've become like distraught, like so upset because then all of a sudden I find myself in a situation like, well, if I move, I look like a total bitch. Um, if I stay, it it's literally going to ruin the movie. And I'm not talking about when you go into a very crowded movie or sold out and you know this is going to happen. I'm talking like when there's seriously a lot of space and someone like sits right next to me, which has happened to me multiple times. When I was younger, I would stay in that seat and it would ruin the movie. But now you better believe I'm just moving. Like, <laughs> I do not care. But um, there are some people who maybe don't quite understand that, that that's a social norm. Don't sit next directly next to somebody if there is space. Um, do not stand close enough to a stranger to touch arms or hips and don't invade someone's personal space. I think a lot of us know that and we don't really typically like that either. At least I don't. This is one that is just hilarious that it even has to be on here. Social norms. (laughs) Do not curse in polite conversation and always avoid racist or discriminatory comments. Um, I think most of us are aware of that one. Uh, Do not pick your nose in public. And if you must burp or fart, say, excuse me. Uh, You kind of learn that in, you know, elementary school. Be kind to the elderly, like opening a door or giving up your seat. If there is a line, go to the back of the line instead of pushing or cutting your way to the front. If you hit or bump into somebody by accident, say, I'm sorry. How many of you say you're sorry even when it's not your fault? I used to do that. I had to consciously stop. It was like a big problem. Like like I've even said sorry for saying sorry. Like it got so out of control, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, if someone sneezes near you, say bless you. Um, yeah, like that's one where I'm just like, okay, like do we have to do that? Oh, whatever. When at someone else's home, ask permission to do things such as turning on the television or using the bathroom. Which, and and this is so funny, okay? It's so neurotypical when you go to someone's home, they say, oh, make yourself at home. But don't take that literally. That actually is just a welcoming statement, but not real. Like if someone, if you walk in someone's house that you're not very close with and you say, and they say, oh, make yourself at home. If you just like literally make yourself at home, take your shoes off, turn the TV on, they're going to think you're rude. (laughs) Uh, I probably have done this in the past. Here's a good one. Flush the toilet after use and always wash your hands when finished. Uh, Is that a social norm or is that just hygiene oriented? Anyway, say please when asking for something and say thank you when someone does something for you. Okay, I think most of us know that. 
call to let someone know you will be late or not going to show up for an appointment. Ooh, I'm epically bad at some of those. Um, (laughs) Dress appropriately for the environment you are in. Don't interrupt someone while they are talking. Wait for them to finish and then take your turn. I deeply struggle with that one. Uh, Social norms while using the phone. Say hello when answering and goodbye before you hang up. Don't take a phone call during dinner, either in public or at home. Put your phone on silent if you are in a meeting, at church, in a theater, or in a public setting where phones are not to be used. Do not lie or hang up if someone has the wrong number. Inform them of their mistake. That is so weird. I've literally just hung up on people for that. I don't know. (laughs) I've told people that they have the wrong number too. It's just so weird. Don't text while on a date or engage in a conversation with another person. Social norms while dining out. Leave a tip for your waiter or waitress. Now, not all countries tip, but in America, it's very tip-based. Chew with your mouth closed and avoid making loud sounds while chewing. This is so true. For people like me with misophonia, which means like you have a violent and horrible reaction to certain sounds, especially chewing, um, I cannot stress that one enough. Do not talk with food in your mouth. Dress according to the restaurant's dress code. Do not eat soup with a fork. But uh, how can you even do that? Anyway, do not burp loudly at the table. Do not eat sloppily or quickly or use your hands unless it is finger food. Do not eat off another person's plate without asking. That's hilarious. Like a lot of this stuff is so funny to me because if if someone did that, like a lot of this stuff, it just wouldn't bother me. Apparently like neurotypicals really just need you to do what they want you to do or what they expect or it's like very frustrating, which is so funny because that's how we are, right? Um, But somehow we're the weirdos. Anyway. Always thank your server. Do not be loud or vulgar or disturb disturb others' dinner. (sighs) Social norms on elevators. Who thought they would have a section for that? Acknowledge others in the elevator with a simple nod or say hi. I have never, ever done that maybe a couple times ever, like if I didn't know the person. That is so weird. And that is not something we do in the Northeast. Thank goodness. And I've always said, Northeast is a great area for autistic people because a lot of the social norms are out of the window. Like you can just have your own autonomy and you don't always have to talk or make eye contact and all that stuff around here. Um, In other parts of the country, I would imagine someone might be offended if you completely avoid them on the elevator, but thank God I don't live there. Stand facing the front. (laughs) Do not turn around and face other passengers. That's really funny. It's something that I've never thought of. But if you did walk in and walk in to an elevator and the person was like facing the back and it wasn't crowded, I guess that would be really odd. <laughs> never stand right by someone if you are the only two people on board. Once again, that's like that personal space thing. You don't want anyone to feel as if you are invading their space. Do not act obnoxiously on the elevator and do not say, I'll wait for the next one if only one person is on board, which I've probably done. Um, Social norms in the classroom and at school. Oof, I got some trauma here, I'm sure. 
Do not use a cell phone during class, obviously. Texting and making calls are not appropriate on class time. Ask the teacher if you can be excused during class to use the restroom. Never just get up and leave. Do not listen to music with headphones. Do not sit in other people's assigned chairs. Come to class prepared. Never read other materials. Stand up to bullies and do not allow others to be bullied. Oh yeah, so many kids do that. Do not be rude to teachers or classmates and arrive to class on time. That was just the most useless list of social norms. Social norms in the workplace. Dress neatly and appropriately for the job. You know how they always say, like, dress for the job you want? (laughs) Um, Be on time and follow the schedule that you are given. Oh, you don't say. Keep a positive attitude and do not engage in gossip. Have you ever worked somewhere that didn't gossip? Come on, neurotypicals. Follow your own rules. Be professional and contribute your skills as needed. Notify supervisors if you are sick and unable to make work. If you need to leave early, notify your boss and make proper arrangements. Be respectful of your coworkers. All right. I'm going to skip this next section. Uh, It says gender-specific social norms, and we all know a lot of us aren't meeting those. Um, This is actually, like, really offensive. Um, yeah, I'm not reading these. Girls wear pink, boys wear blue. Men should be strong and not show emotion. Like, I can't even believe they put this. It does say that these are stereotypes that can be considered discriminatory, but they're just sharing, like, current stereotypes, I guess. But it's shocking. Women should be caring and nurturing. Men should do repairs at the house and be one to work and make money while women are expected to take care of the housework and children. A man should pay for the woman's meal when going out to dinner. Ugh. All of that just makes my stomach turn. Anyway. So all of that is just, you know, a lot of us like know that. We found that out. But the hard part is we don't really teach kids social norms, especially the kids who kind of need to be aware of some of these. And a lot of us learned these social norms by being made fun of or being the person who didn't follow those things and realizing, wow, this is not cool and everyone hates me now or being bullied or just putting ourselves by accident into situations that hurt us. A lot of us find out all of this stuff in really negative ways. Um, So it might be a good thing to talk to your neurodivergent kids about this kind of stuff. Um, I found another one. This is cracked.com. It says rules that make no sense, but everyone follows anyway. So when you're out to eat, nobody eat the last piece, like if you're sharing. Um, Like that's like something you're supposed to all talk about. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I've totally been that person. Oh, no one must want it. It's fine. (laughs) Um, When someone is giving a presentation, nod when they point to the screen. Um, Like, oh, yes, I'm acknowledging that you are pointing. Oh, okay. That is totally something that's expected in the workplace and things like that. 
Um, what about in college? Like when you don't have assigned seats and stuff, like there's that weird social norm that makes no sense where like everyone just sits wherever they did the first day. That's totally real and makes no sense. Um, but this one's so funny. Like, why do we do, I totally do this. Turning the music down when you're lost or like something's going on, um, when you like some situation outside of the car, I totally do that. Um, let me find a good one. Oh, here's one. All bags must be taking in, taken in at one time because making two trips is horrible. I'm totally like that kind of person. <laughs> How about this? A tip only counts if the barista sees you put it in the jar. I've totally done that where it's like, you want to like wait. <laughs> if they're like turned around, you want to wait to put it in the jar, which is so funny. I don't know. It's like, why do we need that weird acknowledgement? But I've totally done that. Waiting until everyone has their food at the table to start eating. This is a big one. That's like, I don't know if it's because I was raised Italian and food is such a big part of our uh, culture. I just said I was raised Italian. Like I'm not, but I was raised that way. That's so weird. Anyway, um, food is such a big part of our culture. And there are like rules, unwritten rules. Like in my family growing up, it was like you may not ever eat in front of everyone unless you can feed everybody. Or if you're going to go somewhere to pick up a coffee or something and take it somewhere else, like you have to ask everyone if they want any everything or you can't drink it in front of them. That's like a big deal. Um, I definitely have met people who do not subscribe to any of that. And I don't know. It's just such a big part of how I was raised. But anyway, so there's just so many of these as examples. Um, so many people on the post that I had posted about the um, acknowledgement of asking a question that makes no sense, but really just wanting to hang out. So many people said, oh, yeah, I kind of went to a place where it's like, okay, I can think of so many times when people just wanted to hang out with me, but I just didn't quite get it or a a guy or a girl was asking someone out on a date and they said, do you want to hang out sometime? And they just had no idea that they were even on a date and like things like that. Like that stuff that is so weird. Like you're thinking, oh, they just want to hang out. But I always say as a default, if a person of the opposite sex or the same sex, if you know, whatever you are, like whoever you're attracted to, if they are that type of person, if they ask you to hang out, I would just assume that it's not just hanging out unless they've made that explicitly clear. And that's something I definitely had to learn. I also didn't quite get that. There's just so much. Um, but these are fun. So I would love it if you guys contributed to this. Um, on my website, I'll leave a link and you can leave comments and like, let me know some things or situations that you've thought of that relate to the unwritten social rules that make no sense that we learned later. 
Um, you can definitely share negatives if you want to, if you're comfortable. Um, I know that a lot of this stuff probably you were made aware of in a negative way, um, but it never hurts to kind of make fun of those situations later uh, if you want to. And I would just love to hear them because these just crack me up because there is so much that I've missed and I had no idea that I was missing them. But also a little takeaway is if you have neurodivergent kids, this is stuff that you have to be telling them because they are probably going to be like us and wind up in situations where if they just kind of were aware of something, maybe they won't be socially hurt in some way like bullying or made fun of publicly or things like that. Because I was in so many situations where I just wasn't aware and had really negative interactions. And I'm talking like 20 years ago and I'm still thinking about them at three in the morning. (laughs) So that's what we do. So anyway, remember that patreon.com slash unlearning neurotypical starts October 1st, 2020. Once again, this Thursday, and we are going to be continuing the unlearning journey that I believe is so necessary. And maybe I will talk about that next week. I'm not sure. Um, A book recommendation for some of the things we've talked about today, if you have kids, is Jennifer Cook O'Toole's the Asper Kids Secret Book of Social Rules. It's a great read. I read it for my kids and I recommend it. Um, she's a great advocate. And um, while I haven't agreed with like every little thing ever that she said, um, she's very educational, very down to earth, very real. She's autistic. She was late diagnosed as well with her kids, just like me and so many others. And um, it's a great book. So if you have kids and you want to kind of help them out with stuff like this, get the Asper Kids Secret Book of Social Rules. It's a great book. Um, And also, I learned a lot by reading it as well. So if you're an adult and you don't have kids, it doesn't hurt to read stuff and just kind of be real about it. Okay, I need help in this area. Like, I'm going to read it too because no one taught me when I was a kid. And I kind of need to know this stuff. So no shame in that game, okay? Because I learned so much watching my kids get therapy. And by kids, I mean toddlers. Like I learned so much stuff that I needed to know that my toddlers were getting taught by their speech therapists and occupational therapists and things like that. And I kind of found it funny. I don't think it's shameful because like how was how was I supposed to know? But Like I said, it's so easy to go there to the negative to kind of make it shameful. Like, oh, I should have known this, but don't do that. And if you need it, learn more about it and read about it. No shame in that game. But anyway, I hope you have a lovely, lovely week. This was fun. Definitely leave a comment. I'll put a link in there. And thank you for listening once again. Have a lovely week.